here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarron. Breaking news, the rating for Raw is likely to fall at 2.7 or 2.8. Sting versus Flair did a 5-4. Jeff Hawkins. This is a joke. I'm going to kick your butt when I, once I get bail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come after you. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. There ain't no stopping us now. We celebrate on the floor. Top down, we're ready to go. To all the people across every nation. Turn it up and give me some more. Balloon guy! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes. It is... Tuesday, September 15th, as we record this, Rob McCarron here at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter, joined as always by Jeff Hawkins at Crap Game 13. Jeffrey, happy Tuesday. You can look, but you can't touch. You keep dreaming on the stars above. Shake your butt, shake your butt, shake your butt, shake your butt, shake your butt. Yeah, you've gone too far. You've gone too far now. Like, is your new thing where you're just going to start singing Divas themes and hoping, like, Every intro is all Jeff Hawkins. Do you want, no. are you trying to be discovered as a singing sensation? Oh dear God, no, I'm like, no, please no. But I had the Nikki one in, in the holster. I just wasn't expecting the Bailey one to be part of the intro. The Bailey one is part <laughs> of the intro today because the next takeover event, NXT takeover on October 7th is going to be headlined by Bailey versus mm-hmm. Sasha Banks for the NXT women's championship in an Iron Man match. 30 minutes. Iron Man, most falls in the 30 minutes, gets you the NXT Women's Championship. What do you think about this? Co- it, this appears to be the actual main event. Like It will be the last match on yes. the show, and it helps that there won't be an NXT title match because you have to assume you, I mean, you don't have to, but I would assume that Finn Balor and Samoa Joe are going to make the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, so they won't be defending any championships by any means. So Sasha Banks, Bailey, the main event of the next TakeOver. Stoked for the match. The match itself, I think it's going to be great. Uh, it, it also fulfills one of Sasha's dreams of headlining a major event for the WWE. Uh, my only two drawbacks were, number one, I think it's too big for... I mean, after that Brooklyn match, I think it's too big for Full sale. to be honest with you. And also, I think it's too soon after Brooklyn, uh, after that big match. I think Bailey kind of needed a cool-off program with someone else and then you could do this match but i mean i understand why they're doing it sasha's you know very popular on the main roster it'll bring eyeballs to the network no problems with the match hyped as hell for it yeah it's certainly um i mean to me it's one month too late or it's one takeover too late uh because i would have i would have liked that brooklyn match to be not necessarily uh an iron man match but to be the main event of the show but it's hard yeah. to do that when you got a main event like a ladder match of all things, Kevin yeah. Owens and Finn Balor. 
But I, I, I think it's one month too late. I don't know how it's going to be perceived. I mean, the day of the show, I think it'll go over very well, especially at the full sale crowd. But I would have liked to see the women get, you know, 13,000 people behind them the way they were in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. WWE probably going into that show didn't know what kind of reaction Bailey and Sasha Banks would get. They certainly probably couldn't presume they would get the reaction they got i mean part of me thinks that was a major surprise just how over that particular match was and it had to come together almost perfectly to be so but uh yeah they're gonna do it at this takeover and uh i mean i i i'm excited for two iron woman match for the championship that crowd finally seeing bailey get her moment in front of them is going to be the big selling point to me yeah, I, I, I think, you know what, I think you're onto something where I think it surprised them to the point where they almost, I mean, you don't want to say panic, but just decided to rush it back again. <laughs> hey, I, <laughs> don't like, know, I don't kinda, know anything kinda, about panic, like, but. Well, no, panic's the wrong word for it, but, but I think of it the same way as they did the Owens-Cena program, where they just kept on, well, oh man, Owens got this big thing, we got to put him in a match again next month, we got to do this now because it's popular. It's popular, it's popular, it's popular, and then it, all of a sudden it becomes the law of diminishing returns you know i yeah and the the brooklyn moment from just everything from the video before the match to the match to everything after the match was such a fitting transition to something else it was a nice goodbye for the women who were going up to the main roster and now we can establish bailey as our champion down here for however long we're going to keep her down here I, that that's my you know those are my drawbacks but the match itself is going to be great, I think. I have no worries about that. Match itself, uh, probably very great. 30 minutes. There's going to be some creative stuff going on in that one uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And in front of that Full cell crowd that's really excited to see Bailey as the champion and get a big win in front of them. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be on the same show as the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic that we are going to talk about here in a moment. But your opening segment brought to you by DraftKings. 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 Is it, is it really a sponsor? DraftKings, how could it not be? I mean, they're sponsoring everything. <laughs> I mean, I it, there's no exaggeration. I would say 150 commercials for DraftKings over the weekend. Yes. Over under. I mean, I think the over might actually win that one. It's amazing. Uh, so DraftKings presents Shake Them Ropes, sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, we move on now to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, which we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about WWE Night of Champions. We'll be previewing that in full today on the show. And match number 64 on our top 100 WWE Network match countdown. It is Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler. In a promotional versus promotional match, they are challenge uh, champions versus champions. U.S. champion versus intercontinental champion for bragging rights 2010, which seems like forever ago. I mean, five years ago already that match happened. So we're going to talk about that one and get into some other things. But we're going to save the Night of Champions preview uh, for a little bit later. We're going to get all the NXT topics out of the way. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I know you were excited for this one when it was first announced because you're a big fan of the tag team wrestling. What do you think so far as it's been presented over the course of WWE and NXT TV? Overall, it hasn't been too bad, I don't think. Um, You know, it is a WWE tag team match, so you don't get a lot of the variety and styles necessarily. But you know what? Kudos to them for making Ciampa and Gargano look pretty darn good here. 
But yeah, there. Uh, I mean, there has been variety. Not only do you have yeah. Tommaso Ciampa and I, Johnny Gargano in the match here, but you also have. Yeah. I mean, you had Neville teaming with Sammy Callahan. Uh, you had, or, or what's his name, Solomon Crow. You had uh, some differences here. The Lucha Dragons well, back. I don't you mean- have the the Ascension comes back for a match. You know, Baron Corbin and Rhino. I think. I mean, before we get to uh, you know who we think might win without seeing all the matches here. I mean, you have in the brackets. Completely on the other sides, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, and then Rhino and Baron Corbin. Am I missing something, or do they seem destined to be the final two teams in this tournament? Um, I I wouldn't be shocked by that, just because of the individual feuds they're they're in. But you know, I'll I'll take a flyer on maybe the Gable team possibly sneaking in there. Yeah, there there can be some sneaky teams in there. I mean, Mojo Rally and Zack Ryder are a team. Uh, you have the Gable they're Jason Jordan the team. I don't think they're, they're making not. the finals, but there there can be a couple of different things here where if they just decide to go somewhere differently. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you never know. The Vaude Villains, of course, got their title. Uh, you know, they are the tag team champs. So that's going to be an interesting match, too, if the Vaude villains go up against Finn Balor and Samoa Joe as they're on the same side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they got some interest here. I think when the tapings came out and they started doing these tag team matches, a lot of the talk was because this taping was before NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn. A lot of people thought they might be faking us out here a little bit with some of the stuff they were doing. Uh, and you have this tag team classic with this just a number of weird teams. But Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, you have the tag team champions. You know, this this tournament really isn't about the tag team titles. Like, the Vaude Villains can afford to lose to the NXT champion and big star Samoa Joe if that ends up happening here. But, yeah, it, it's come together pretty nicely for what was a weird, eclectic mix of teams. Yeah, but you should by the end of this tournament, you should have two things. You should have another strong contender for the Vaude Villains and their tag team titles. And you should probably have some singles feud coming out of this from one of the teams. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you're going to have both of those things because both yeah. of those things might go against each other. Right. That's Unless true. They, maybe they want to put Baron Corbin and Rhino as a serious team. That might be it too. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a, You know what? There's nothing wrong with big Haas teams. I love big Haas teams. Bring those on. Yeah. I mean, they very well may go into uh, some type of contendership here, but you're right. Um, evolves Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, who is uh, earlier this year left ring of honor. Uh, it was a surprise to many, them even coming in. Um, yeah, I I watched the first match, and the second match, I believe, uh, for them airs on NXT this week. I believe so. I think so. But you watch that first match. Any thoughts about Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa specifically in their match? You know, there were uh, <laughs> kudos to the crowd for knowing who they were. That was great. Well, that's a smart that, crowd. They know who that was almost a good, anyone smart is. Crowd. Yeah. I thought they looked pretty good in there. I, I did, especially for guys that hadn't been working together for all that long in terms of, you know, the two teams in there. Um, I was a little shocked that they didn't let Ciampa wear the mask. <laughs> that would have gotten him over pretty even bigger than he is. Um, but overall, you know, I thought they made him look good. They, I liked the fact that post-match they looked shocked that they won. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they were coming in to prove something, but yeah, you know, they probably uh, you know in storyline here, you know, there's still uh-huh. two guys going up against a former championship contender, correct? And Bull Dempsey, future Hall yeah. of Famer Bull Dempsey. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was an interesting match. I thought Tommaso Ciampa was trying a little too hard. Johnny Gargano seemed to fit in really well. Yeah, but a little. Ciampa was getting in Gargano's way a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he, was, and, he was trying too hard. And Tyler Breeze was the guy to put in here to make both these guys look good. Tyler Breeze is awesome. Yeah. Tyler Breeze is awesome. He's starting to get like that main event um, enhancement talent type of role, though. Yeah. So I hope at some point, like they do something uh, serious with him. Or move no, you're him right. He's the he's he's now the gatekeeper of NXT. He, he kind of is. Like, to, and like, yeah. and I was calling him the MVP of NXT TV this year, especially with the injuries that they had and Kevin Owens being brought up and Sami Zayn gone and Finn Balor not wrestling a whole lot on NXT TV. But Tyler Breeze was having these uh, phenomenal TV matches and then getting guys like Jushin Liger when they come into NXT Takeover. Uh, Tyler Breeze. May not be the top of the card main eventer, but he's a guy that the crowd takes seriously, no matter mm-hmm. where he is on the card. And that's a role that's very important, and Tyler Breeze handling it super well. I think so as well. And plus he's, and plus he's improved so much on his uh, promos and interactions. Like, all that stuff with Regal's been phenomenal, I think. Yeah, William Regal is uh, phenomenal in his role of just taking things seriously and <laughs> and letting people yell at him and then him coming back with a response. He's not getting in people's faces. He's not yelling at anyone. He's like the father of NXT. Right. Like, he's the GM who's their dad. Like, he wants them to succeed, but he's tired of all the back talk. I mean, he got Bull Dempsey on the right track. Yeah, and Breeze is the bratty child. Breeze I like is that. the bratty child. Yeah. And William Regal isn't punishing him. I mean, he's giving him nope. opportunities. They may seem like punishments. Like, I like the little dynamic that they have going on. I do but, as well. Yeah, I like it. I like this William Regal fella. He has a future in the business. <laughs> um, NXT also, they're touring Texas this week. Mm. The tour starts on Thursday. Thursday, the tour starts uh, as they go to Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. And uh, they announced a few matches for the shows. Uh, the main events, really. Uh, Finn Balor is going to defend the NXT Championship against Baron Corbin and Tyler Breeze. And your main event for the 17th is Emma versus Bailey for the NXT Championship. That's actually the program I thought they were going to go with next for Bailey to continue having a nice streak of matches. So I, I have no issue with that at all. It's It's similar to TakeOver Brooklyn, where we all thought that Finn Balor was going to move on to something. But then mm-hmm. Kevin Owens stuck around for one more show. Sasha Banks is in that role. Like we thought Bailey was going to move on to something, but Sasha Banks right. is still around for one more go around. And Sasha Banks will probably lose the match. And then we can have Bailey go on to something else. Whether that is uh, Emma, which you know makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, whether that is someone totally new, whether they go to like Eva Marie right away, whether they, you know, Dana Brooke on TV has been hinting that she might be in line for the NXT championship, doing the promos about the NXT title and then going Mm -hmm. out and having strong performances. I don't know where they're going to go next. Uh, do they, do you think that NXT could be trying to cultivate a new, um, four horsewoman type, you know, this role where there's a lot of women at the top, not just one or two with Dana Brooke, Eva Marie and Emma, being all challengers for Bailey's championship, doing something similar to what they did with Charlotte, uh, Becky, and Sasha? I don't think it's quite that. I think it's more you have, out of those three, you have someone that you know can have good matches, and you have two that you don't know if they get into a long match situation how they're going to do. So I think it's more of a gun being a gun-shy type of thing, uh, or being gun-shy. Uh, in terms of pulling the trigger on, it might, it's too soon, I think, for Eva Marie, and it's Probably too soon for Dana Brooke necessarily to have a longer match. I don't, um, I, I don't know if it's too soon for Dana Brooke to be doing certain things. I don't think you're right. I mean, I don't I, think I, she can I, go well, out there. Hold on. I don't think she can go out there and do like 15 minute singles matches because we saw her do somewhat of a long match at the NXT takeover. The stuff that was taped for TV the next week where Dana Brooke was in that four way. 
And go figure, Dana Brooke held her own. She wasn't in there a whole lot. And it was, you know, Becky Lynch who didn't do what she was supposed to do, or Charlotte if she was supposed to break up a pin. Like, it happens to the best of them where you can freeze up in a big match. But yeah, Dana Brooke, I don't know if they're thinking she's ready to do 15 minutes uh, in a singles match. And that's why I think they might be cultivating, you know, another three-way or another four-way type scenario where there's a bunch of women challenging. And we'll see who the best singles program comes out of that because we are almost to the end of the year. I mean, there's a takeover in October and there's a takeover in December and then the year is over. They really only have to get one more match of the women's championship built up and that's all the way in December. Yeah, but you were comparing it to three very, very good performers, and that's how I was looking at it as oh. you were doing it as an equal. I think Dana Brooks ready for longer matches. I think, um, you know, Carmella's improving as well. She's not yeah. leaps and bounds yet, but that last match she had, you know, she's she's showing improvement. Right, but you also I, see where she is in the pecking order when she's yes. losing to these, yes. you know, other people like Dana Brooks and the yes. Emmas. I, I think I really think they need you know, a little bit more veteran presence for on-screen matches. And this, you know, this is a time to bring maybe, you know, even a Natty versus Dana Brooke type of thing to see what she can do in there. Because, you know, Natty will make her look good. Yeah. yeah. And she's not doing anything up there, so why yeah, not? She's really she's really not. But you can uh, you can do a number of different things with the women, and, and they have plenty of time to do it. And when mm-hmm. I say cultivating a new uh, group of stars, I don't mean this year even. I mean, okay. you know, start okay. from the beginning because that's what happened with Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey. Well, then, as as a general rule, yes, you are correct. They are they are cultivating many at once. Yeah, because that yeah. I mean, that's that's all what happened. I mean, all these women started new, and over the year and a half to two years they were on TV, the fans started to get behind them. You know, I'm I'm wondering if they are so bold to think that they can start planning for 2017 with these new crop of women, the Eva Marie's and the Dana Brooks, like. We want these four to be su- you know, superstars in 2017, so we're going to start the road to that right now and build up a new crop of women who are the big stars because they had all this influx of women go into the main roster. They don't really need new fresh faces for the next year. They're, they're looking at the future. They're looking at the end of 2016 into 2017 before they even need anyone else. That'd be a smart move. Be a smart move. All righty. Uh, that segment, of course, brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings. You can go on and play fantasy sports daily. DraftKings. Oh, DraftKings Draft is far more engaging than your super card. I'm still playing that super card. I didn't play I it as much are. this week. Uh huh. I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm going to get in it. But you know, I'm still uh, building up that deck, going after that Seth Rollins ultra rare card. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but that's all the NXT. So they're gonna they're gonna tape some of this stuff probably to show on TV of this Texas tour, and then they got Nashville coming up. So they are going a lot of different places. Uh, but we have to talk WWE Night of Champions as it is coming up this Sunday on WWE Network, sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, how excited are you from one to ten for Night of Champions? About a five. Just another ho hum of a show, huh? Well, I'm not saying it's ho hum. I'm just saying, you know, I mean that's what a five means. Well, uh, no, a five means average. I think it's going to be an average show. I think it's going to have some play settings for the next Raw, and for the next couple pay per views. But you know, I don't think we're going to see anything. I I think that Rollins Cena match has might be spectacular. I do, but other than that. Okay, you have you have some matches. Ho hum 
is an exclamation <laughs> used to express boredom or resignation. So you are right. I am not bored. It is less than average. Yes. I'm uh, saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we are going to go through this card, uh-huh. predict what we think might happen, what we expect to be enjoying the most on this show. Um, I'm looking forward to, to it just to see where they do, uh, where they go with the world championship. I mean, you have Sting and Seth Rollins as the main event of the show. You have the aspect of the United States championship being on the line too. And Mm -hmm. because Seth Rollins is the current WWE linear champion and not likely to lose on SmackDown, he is defending that championship twice. Yes. And if Sting wins it, well then boy, we got a whole new ball game. Mm. That WWE linear Twitter is going to be, Bored and useless for about a year. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be that long. Uh, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, but we are going to start off with the Intercontinental Championship match that was made official this week on Raw. Kevin Owens challenging the Ryback for the title. Uh, what did you think about that uh, Ryback-Kevin Owens interchange on Raw this week? <laughs> oh, Kevin Owens was really good in it. I, 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 <laughs> I'm not so certain. I mean, it was nice to see... Ryback not staring at something out in space and having an actual human interaction. I thought Owens made him look great in it. Uh, This match intrigues me. I'm not going to lie. It intrigues me to see where they go with it, but I still think Ryback's going to win. Yeah, I I like the Ryback for the win in this one, too. Um, The interchange on Raw, Kevin Owens was himself. Kevin Owens was the usual Kevin Owens, so that's all well and good. The Ryback... (laughs) <laughs> I wish I wish he would not point his finger so much. If is you, there watch, a, if is you there watch that a, promo, oh, if you watch that promo, the Ryback is speaking and the entire time, and I mean like the entire time he's talking, he has his arm out like T-Rexin and he's pointing uh-huh. his finger at Kevin Owens the whole time, you know, going through his entire spiel about how, you know, the book that Kevin Owens was making fun of has helped him and helped many people out there. And I was going to win the Intercontinental Championship. He's a strong guy. He he goes to bed hungry and he eats, eats, eats. Like, I thought Ryback was all right. It's nice that they're starting to give him more mic time as a real person. Uh, but, yeah, just quit pointing at dudes. Uh, the, he was already, they had already turned on that promo when he started doing the Elvis impression and dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess like, after that, once Kevin Owens was in the ring, I thought it was all, all good. Yeah, and plus, there's nothing wrong with trashing the secret. It's a terrible book. Is it really? Have you read it? it perhaps. I never, I never read it, so I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know how I've good had, or bad it might be. I've, I've leaped through it. I've had friends who, who read it, and none of them are good people. So, wow. <laughs> are, were they? Are they at least a little better after reading it, or are they still just? They were. They were mostly using it to pick up women and. Things oh my like god. That. Yeah. Well, then they weren't using the full purpose of the book. I have no. full, I have a hundred percent faith that the Ryback was reading it with all solid intentions. <laughs> Although at the same time, the Ryback strikes me as a guy who could potentially be using this book to go on national television and national media to have this feel good story, reading yeah. this book and then go into the bar and trying to get, get sympathy from it, from all the ladies while at the same time, I don't think that's what's ha- happening. And I don't know if he needs that. I don't, I, if I looked like the Ryback, I wouldn't be going in there talking about the secret. 
unless you're really desperate to show a sensitive side, thinking that's what the chicks might li- you know like. Dig. I think the women might want someone with a little more personality. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Not a guy who goes to uh, Panera Bread and is disgusted by the lack of meat available. <laughs> not, not a guy who always wants to stop for a snack in the middle of a date. I guess. I guess so. Uh, moving on to the next match on the show. <laughs> on the show, it is Dolph Ziggler versus Rusev in a singles match. Summer Rae yes. will be at ringside. Who Summer Rae leaves with, to me, is the story of this match at the moment. I think Rusev is, is the baby face in this feud. I don't know. It just keeps well, on going that way. Well, he has been... Really, since day one, since the moment, like, he was the dick that you rushed Lana off. Yeah. So he's the bad guy with Lana, and he's the bad guy in the Lana situation. But you can have this multifaceted, you know, heel-face dynamic where when you put him with Dolph Ziggler, one-on-one, Rusev is the good guy in that situation. Because Rusev has made his mistakes, but Dolph Ziggler is rubbing it in. Stealing the girl and obviously really didn't care that much about the girl because now he's making passes at Rusev's new girl. This Dolph Ziggler is just trying to steal Rusev's girl. Doesn't matter who it is. So in that type of scenario, yeah, Dolph Ziggler is the dick. And he's the dick who doesn't know how to tan his back anymore, apparently. Because, like, he is two different colors from front to back. I'm not even paying. It is unbelievable. All right, Rob, what's in the box? Uh, it was a necklace. Oh, did they show it? I, I missed it. Yeah, there was a backstage segment where she opens up the box. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, okay. it was just a throwaway. It was a little necklace. She smiles, and then Rusev calls her into the locker room. So, oh, okay. So Rusev with women is a bad guy because he's bossing them around, doing all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But Dolph Ziggler is taking advantage of these things, mm-hmm. not to help the women out, but to just show that he can one-up Rusev. Right. So who wins the match? I think it's going to be Dolph Ziggler because I think Summer Rae is going to do something. Rusev's going to be mad because I don't know if this feud is over. What's the next pay-per-view after this? I'm going to check. I'm going to check what the, I, it's hell in the cell, isn't it? I think it's hell. In I the believe cell. it is hell in the cell. Cause the Miz screwed up. All right. Well, we got, uh, so the next special is actually that MSG show. Right, but it's not going to be on that. But that's not going to be anything. Uh, let's see here. Night of Champions, Madison Square Garden, NXT TakeOver, Respect. And then Hell in a Cell, October 25th. So they very well, I, I mean, you're not going to give Rusev and Dolph Ziggler a Hell in a Cell match, are you? No, we're going to keep treading water on this until Lana can come back, right? Yeah, I mean, because okay. Lana was kind of the, the center of this whole thing. All right. So, so I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, they got to keep going on it. But I mean, so I, I'd go with Dolph Ziggler on this one. But yeah, I mean, I think this is all one big thing now to turn Rusev. I don't think they've even tried to hint at that. Like, I don't believe that the WWE writers and the way it's been presented, that the end goal is for Rusev to be the babyface. Because even when Dolph Ziggler came in and did his little attacking and, and kicked Rusev, laid him out, Cesaro, who is a babyface, that's clear cut was high-fiving Dolph Ziggler and, and cheering him on. Like, Dolph Ziggler is the babyface to them. Yes. But you watch this feud play out, and Rusev is the one who's going to end up being the likable guy, and there's going to be a crowd shift. Yeah, they're, they're not... They're, well, I mean, 
far be it for me to criticize all creative, but they're not paying attention to what they're doing in these stories, I think, because there's another story coming up that they've totally shot themselves in the foot on. Yeah, they, so they haven't, they're at least not fully paying attention or realizing what the right. consequences of what they're doing is going to be because they yes. know what they know what it is on paper, but they're not watching what it's doing in reality and how people are reacting to it. Yeah. Cause again, these crowds are starting to react you know, because they didn't cheer Dolph Ziggler when he kicked Rusev very, very loudly. Like they, they yeah. were a little confused. Like, why is this guy kicking Rusev for no reason? Why is he handing his girl a box? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be uh, interesting to see exactly when the crowd starts going fully on for Rusev because it's going to happen. Uh, next, we have the Divas Championship match. The mm-hmm. longest reigning Divas Champion of all time, Nikki Bella, will defend against Charlotte. A match that was advertised for Raw, originally advertised for Night of Champions, then it was moved up. So it's not like anyone on you know watching Raw really got something taken away from them with the DQ finish in Charlotte and Nikki Bella. But last night on Raw, we had the Nikki Bella Charlotte match. Brie Bella was the one pinned. Brie Bella, they did their little twin magic. Charlotte got the win. It was overturned by Stephanie McMahon because, of course, Nikki Bella wasn't the one pinned. So we now have a true in earnest title match coming up at Night of Champions. Who do you have winning it? Jeff Hawkins. Oh, man. This is the one they shot themselves in the foot on because I understand why they did this and it set it up okay. But now, because of this Bellatron, we all want to see someone break Nikki's record. <laughs> Do we, though? Because I don't care. I mean, I understand the business behind, and WWE was probably right. I think a lot of the attention has been put on the whole Divas Championship reign and the overdoing of AJ Lee's record. A lot of attention's been put on that. A lot too of people much. calling it. A lot of people calling it petty. And and yeah. I agree. There's too much attention now. WWE really didn't start bringing up the AJ Lee name too much until the last month or so, just talking about the record because WWE would do that. If someone else was coming up on a record, they would do that. If like the intercontinental champion had the longest reign ever and they were breaking someone's record, they would mention it, you know, so would the WWE championship. So that just happened to coincide. But if you're WWE and you're a person in power and you don't feel it's likely that AJ Lee is going to be part of your future plans or come back and work with the promotion, then wouldn't you want somebody to hold this record, which may not matter now. Wouldn't you want someone to hold that record that might do business with you in the future as in Nikki Bella? Because what happens, what happens if the diva revolution takes off and, and eventually the divas championship is something that is respected and a Becky Lynch, or maybe even one of the women who don't even work for them now yet gets to the record point. And you want a moment where the new record holder meets the old record holder, whether it's in a match or whether it's just a handshake kind of congratulations thing. And you know you can't get AJ Lee, but Nikki Bella is probably going to be around for the company for a long time. Wouldn't you want them to be the record holder? So I can understand the pettiness argument where they're so petty against CM Punk and AJ Lee that they want someone else to be the champion. And it just so happened that Nikki Bella was coming up close to a long reign, so they made her the champion. Uh, I, I can get the pettiness argument. Maybe it was a little of that at first, but a business argument definitely makes sense that they would just want someone who they know they can do business with in the future to hold this record, even though it may not be important now, even though no one may care about it now. If they're going to do a Divas Revolution two or three years from now, maybe this record is something that actually is celebrated. Well, no, I, 
you're, you're missing my point here. I have no problem with it from a business perspective. I have no problem with it from a historical perspective. I have a problem with it from an on-screen story perspective because you've now made it part of Nikki's identity. And you've made that the major want. The belt is secondary to her breaking that record. And now that she's broken the record, the title is still secondary. Every time Nikki's on screen, even if you take the belt off of her, she's now going to be the longest reigning divas. It shades the belt. It shades the title. This should have been a footnote. This should have been mentioned, but it should not have been made part of the character choice. And the other thing they did here, which... If, if this were real, this is going to be one of those if this were real scenarios. You have to make a stipulation where Charlotte comes down alone to face Nikki Bella because otherwise that whole if you get disqualified or if or for any reason count out that the belt changes hands and you have friends and the whole point of all three of these friends has been to get the belt away from Nikki Bella. First thing I do is have Paige hit Charlotte. DQ belt goes to her. So they, and if they don't do that on SmackDown, they're really looking at a hole in logic here. But I think Charlotte's going to win, probably. But you know what? I wouldn't hold the pass them to give, give Nikki a little bit longer. Give her the year. Give her the entire year. I think now that the record's over, it doesn't matter how long they keep her the championship. I think Charlotte makes yeah. sense because the time is now to make a singles star in the division. The time is now to make a singles program in the division instead of all this team versus team. Now, I'm not saying that Nikki and Charlotte might be that singles program because Charlotte versus someone else on her team may make even more sense. Like if they do turn Paige or turn Becky or someone, you know, someone maybe costs Charlotte this match because of the DQ rule and then, you know, goes into another match later on. Um, There's a there's a few possibilities here. I think Charlotte will win. But I think Charlotte will transition to someone else outside Nikki Bella. As for making it part of Nikki Bella's character, I definitely get that argument with it. Um, but I, I don't think it matters in the long run because all the babyface has to say is, well, I'm the current champion and I'll break your record, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think I think bringing Flair in, I mean, now you almost have to make Charlotte the star because of that. I still think Sasha's the choice here, and that's what worries me about her going down and facing Bailey because I think they may... I was thinking they may use that belt to help build Sasha back up as a championship contender yeah, at one time. But they've done I'm, good things with Sasha on Raw because she got another win over Paige. Like that was, she, and that was a solid match. She's getting wins. You know, yeah. they they believe in her. They're not jobbing her out to everybody. So they very well make Charlotte may transition to Sasha Banks. There may be different people in the pool because remember this whole story with Paige was she wanted to defeat the Bellas, right? Like take the championship away from her, just ruin the Bellas. Well, if they take the title away from her, Paige may have just gotten what she wanted, so now Charlotte can move into something else. And the Bellas, for all we know, just may go on to something completely outside of wrestling in the ring. Like, and, and you and you understand my thinking in that in that if that's the point, then the first thing Paige should do is is slug Charlotte here, not even have a match. <laughs> well, it's not a dual step. So I I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, Paige can knock out you know, Nikki Bella, I suppose, or no Charlotte, because that way Nikki gets disqualified. See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I mean, I think they're all going to be out there. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's going to make it a cluster or, or eventually, or you know what's going to happen? They're all, they all start out there and they all get ejected. But remember too, 
they are baby faces. So a baby face, you know, someone who's good and someone who wants to earn the championship, which Paige has wanted to do, which Charlotte wants to do, which Becky wants to do. Their whole motivation is to earn things. They want to earn the respect of the crowd. They want to earn the respect of women in wrestling. They're not just going to go play by the rules here. You know, the rules that give them an advantage in doing that cheap DQ. They want to win. They want to earn it. And it's the Bellas who don't do that. They they don't care how they earn these wins. They just want to get the win. Oh, so, that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I mean, as long as Michael Cole doesn't bring that up, which the announcers have done before. Yeah. Like, we've had steps just like this, and the announcer says, well, well, why isn't Charlotte just getting, you know, just hitting Nikki Bella or Brie Bella or Paige hitting Nikki Bella, whatever. Why isn't, why isn't he pinning his tag team partner? Right, right. We've had storylines this, like this before, and they've brought out those leaps in logic, which aren't yeah. actually leaps in logic, but when the announcer specifically says, why isn't Paige knocking out Nikki Bella? Because that would give the championship to Charlotte. You got to have either Booker T or Michael Cole there saying, well, that's silly because of what I just said, where they want to earn the match or just yeah. don't bring it up at all. Yeah, so it I doesn't would've... become a focus because they've done that before. And I'm hoping they don't do it again. Uh, so we got Nikki Bella and Charlotte. We're both taking Charlotte. We've done Ryback and Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler and Rusev, the tag team championships, the new day mm-hmm. versus the Dudley boys. Uh, WWE Tag Team Championships. Do the, do the Dudleys win their titles back? Not here. I don't think they win them until maybe TLC. Oh, so they can all compete in a... Tables match? TLC tag match? Mm-hmm, possibly. Ooh. Bring back TLC? But the I, ones I, who I would not be... Famous. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they put the belts on the Dudleys here for a short run, though. I mean, that, that you know, get, given who's in the world title f- picture, you know, that it could be a nostalgia run for both of them. Yeah, and, and the Dudley boys are going to be on that MSG special. So you would think there's going to be a tag team title match on that show. I'll tell you one thing. I think Torito's coming out and getting rid of Xavier Woods. Sure. Yeah. It's a little off-the-wall pick right there. I'll take it, though. But kind of fits uh, a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the Dudleys are going to win. I mean, just the way that they've changed the tag team championships around. And the New Day is getting over. The New Day doesn't need the yeah. tag team championships for no. the most part because they're still going to be a popular act and a good heel act. Uh, whereas the Dudley boys just came back. It seems likely that they can do this. And at the MSG special, you have another tag team championship match, maybe a tables match, maybe maybe something else. But. Yeah, I, I I do think the Dudleys are probably going to win this, though. Yeah, I just think that the Dudley boys have to win a match at MSG. And maybe you don't put them in a tag team title match. Maybe you put them against the primetime players or someone else. Like You could right. do that, too. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Dudley boys uh, here. Now for our DraftKings match of the night. <laughs> the Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Braun Strowman going up against Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Daniel Bryan. Who you got in this one? Oh, you're you're thinking it's Daniel Bryan. Calling it. I tweeted before Raw started that I thought Daniel Bryan would be the third man. Then I tweeted today, you know, imagine not thinking Daniel Bryan is the third man because I, I, I'm i going all in. I'm 100%. I, I'm betting all the chips I got in front of me. I think Daniel that's Bryan's going to be the third guy. I think that's a great pick, but I think it's wrong. I think it's going to be Kane just for the visual of the of the Kane Braun Strowman stare down. And uh, how, how does Kane fit in this? Because of the uh, because of the Dean Ambrose angle, where where Dean was talking all that trash to him before, trying to make him a real man and get him to rebel and whatnot, you have that con- you have that continuity you can call back to, and they've been calling back to some odd continuity of late, so they could always do it. 
I suppose they could. I suppose they could. You know, and, you know, if if Rowan were somehow miraculously available, this is where you'd stick him in, but I don't think he's ready yet. Yeah, but the way they were building this up, the third mystery man, and we got a partner and all this, all this, you know, I don't don't see how it is. And and Rowan, to me, still doesn't make sense because this would be the same thing as Rowan going into the Royal Rumble. I agree. You had Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt on the same page because Rowan was released, you know, from the Wyatt family. It's not like... It's not like he was kicked out. It's not like he was, you know, going against Bray Wyatt, and all of a sudden he was just against them. Uh, well, but he was, but he was with Harper before the injury. That's the only thing exactly. There. He was with Harper before the injury. Right. You know, I'd love Daniel Bryan to come back here and then play, be kind of protected in the six man and have limited time. Tough enough is over. I would, I would absolutely love that. I'll tell you who it's not going to be. It's not going to be Samoa Joe. It's not, no. It's not going to be anybody from NXT. It's not going to be Samoa Joe. I mean, 5% chance it's Baron Corbin, but I I really don't think so. No, it, it's going to be, I, I, I think, and I think Kane's the answer here. I just do. But you know what? I'm not even sure that, that the face team wins here necessarily. I think, they, I think, I think it's going to be leading into building Strowman a little bit more as a destroyer. And he destroys whoever the third guy is. Yeah, it depends on who the third guy is. Like, if Daniel Bryan comes back, there's no way that team can lose. Right. There's no way that team can lose. But if it's Kane, they can lose, and it can be because of Kane. It could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can. Uh, you don't have to beat Braun Strowman yet. You can be- beat Luke Harper. I mean, hell, you can beat Bray Wyatt, who's taken pins when I wouldn't expect him to take pins. Right. You can do a number of different things. But yeah, the six-man tag team match, I mean, it's basically the Wyatt family versus the Shield, so... I'm really excited for this one because these two teams have put on some tremendous six mans on raws and pay-per-views like this very well could be the best match of the night. Considering you normally reserve that for a guy like Seth Rollins and the matches he's going up against, but Seth Rollins ain't pulling a four star out of sting. He ain't doing that. John Cena, maybe. So this six man right here could very well be my pick for match of the night. But now we go into, uh, before we get to the main events, there is a pre-show match that was announced. Neville and the Lucha Dragons are going to take on Stardust and the Ascension, collectively known as the Cosmic Wasteland. Clever name. Who you mm-hmm. got? Lucha Dragons and Neville. I think, I think Stardust walks out on the Ascension and they get pinned. Yeah, I don't know about the walking out, but I would say that would be my winning team also uh it's it's the pre-show you want to put on a good a good showing i think you know neville hits his well i think they're establishing stardust as a super villain who will who lures partners in and then as lackeys and once they serve their purpose gets rid of them i think they did with baird i think they'll continue the pattern with the ascension yeah they were well good that would be some uh some fun storytelling too i think if he just keeps bringing like who are these people that keep agreeing with Stardust to come in? Like, have you not looked at what the past has been like? Like, here's Heath Slater and Fandango. You know, may whatever. as well, may as well bring in Heath Slater and Fandango. Like, who right now on the NXT side would be someone that you could bring up in that particular role? Blake and Murphy. You bring up? Do you bring up Rhino and Baron Corbin as the friends of Stardust? Mm, that'd be interesting. I, I just wonder if they're going to like, I like that story idea. Now I like the story of stardust, just bringing okay. teams for every pay-per-view and then he gets rid of them. The raw after or and partners, yet finds yeah. and yet finds two other flunkies to come on his side and, and help him. Even though <laughs> he has a record of just dumping everyone to the side. Like it, it's the idea of when he was trying to find tag team partners for Dustin Rhodes. Like everyone thinks they could do it. 
everyone thinks they can win. They don't care what happened in the past. They still think they could be the guy. Bring back Damian Sandow in a new role. Bring back Curtis Axel in a new role. Those guys have been MIA. You know what? They could, oh, they're going to repackage those two somehow to be flunkies for Stardust. I can see this happening. Why not? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Adam Rose. Adam Rose? Adam Rose hasn't made TV back yet, but he's been appearing on NXT house shows and a lot of different uh, house shows doing this new party pooper gimmick. Jack Swagger is out there. Jack Swagger is still out there wrestling on the old main events and mm-hmm. superstars, still getting work in. Uh, I don't remember the last time he's been on a Raw. It's been a while. Last time on a SmackDown, not too sure. Uh, but yeah, we go to the main events now. And the first main event, the United States Championship. Now, let me ask you this before we predict winners on this. Do you think they're going to do the John Cena-Seth Rollins match immediately before the Sting match? Or do they separate these on the show? Maybe like the third match of the night is John Cena and then the main event is Sting. I still think that Cena is going on last against oh, that's Rollins. Right. You, I think Sting yeah. is, I think the Sting match is going up first. Yeah, I just don't see that just based on the championships. Like I still have faith in the company that they would put the the world title match on after the U.S. title match. Well, I still, I can, I still have that faith. Yeah, I, I, have a, well I have an odd scenario, but yeah. Do you have an odd scenario? Yeah, because I think I think because of the decline. Well, it also has to do with the the, the, the declining ratings. But uh, let's get into it. Yeah, so let's get into it. We'll we'll talk John Cena match first. Uh, okay. The U.S. Championship, Seth Rollins, John Cena. This will be the first defense of the linear title for Seth Rollins uh, on this show. He will battle John Cena. I I would like to see the John Cena U.S. Open challenges come back. So selfishly, I hope John Cena wins this match. Uh, even though you still have the random good John Cena matches. You know, the Sheamus match was all right on Raw this week. But I would like to see the Open Challenge. I like that idea. I think John Cena is a perfect guy to do it because it not only gets the title over, but you know you're going to get fun segments. You know you're going to get excitement on Raw, something that you have to look forward to. It's appointment viewing. You want to watch Raw to see not only who accepts the challenge, but eventually to see who's going to break the challenge and beat John Cena, no matter who it is on the roster. I mean, guys like Neville were putting on exciting segments that people were looking forward to. I would like to see the return, selfishly, of the U.S. Open title challenge. So I'm going to go with that and pick John Cena to win back his U.S. title, thus also putting a lot of importance and emphasis on Seth Rollins and Sting, because not only will Seth Rollins just have lost a match and wrestled one, but could he go broke on this pay-per-view in the main event? So I will go John Cena. That's a possibility. Man, I I go back and forth on this one so much because I, too, love the John Cena Open Challenges. I just think that John Cena can't have the U.S. title and become part of the world title picture, which he's going to become, I think, very, very soon. So I'm going to go with Rollins retaining the U.S. title here. So how does that bleed in then to Sting and Seth Rollins, the World Heavyweight Championship? Do you think Seth also defends that belt successfully? No. I think Sting beats him, and I think Sheamus comes out, cashes in, gives him a brogue kick, gets the title. That possibly on the orders of Hunter. That bad guy. That bad exactly. guy, Sheamus. Now, I, and then... Go ahead. And then, um, and then what happens is Cena makes the save for Sting when, when he's getting beat down. 
Okay. The the instant feedback on Twitter is coming in fast and furious here. Oh, I are just, they listening? I just posed, no, I just posed this question. At Shake Them Ropes on Twitter, which match goes on last at Night of Champions? The U.S. title or the World Heavyweight Championship? Crap Game 13 thinks Rollins versus Cena might. Is he crazy? So the response is, Greg on Twitter says, yes, you are crazy. Well, that goes without saying. Cody on Twitter says, Rob is never crazy. You are, referring to you, Jeff. Uh, Okay. Chris Zellner says, Rollins and Sting has to go last because Rollins loses to Cena. The story is, will he lose both titles? So just as we might have been talking about there, like the story isn't so much, will Sting win the world title? The focus can still be put on Rollins, whether he will go broke or not. No, you know that that's very true, and also just the way they set up Raw in the main event, and that was a well done main event, by the way. I loved the way that Sting got the win there. They've reversed themselves, I think. I think Sting may be going on last now. So yeah, everybody, everybody's right. I'm crazy. I, I'll take it. I'll I wouldn't even truth. say crazy because it can still go that way. John Cena is the bigger star, even though I think Sting is the big attraction for the show, and they've pushed him as a big star. Uh, so they can go either way. It just all depends on how what story they're trying to tell. You right. Know, and, if they want to take the focus off of Sting, I think that's the way they do it. I think you put him on last and put the focus on Seth Rollins winning both titles or losing both titles. Man, I just think when the ratings come out today, later, that they're going to be even worse than last week, and it's time to get the belt back on Cena, and I just can't see them doing that when he has the U.S. title. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Craig on Twitter says uh, Cena versus Rollins is arguably – the bigger match from a fan perspective, especially right. if Cena is winning. So, uh, I mean, there are others who might think that's the way they go. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's wrong. I think Cena versus Rollins is the bigger match. Yes. Uh, going into the show. But after a Cena Rollins match, I think Sting and Rollins has a bigger story to it at that time. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to see Cena win. I'll predict a Cena win. Um, the main event is questionable to me. Mm-hmm. Because I could see Seth Rollins beating Sting, whether it's via interference from somebody, whether it's oh, yeah. whether it's beating him clean, I don't know. But I could also see Sting winning that title, and then you have Sheamus coming into play, and that is certainly an option to completely shift where the World Heavyweight Championship goes heading into the fall. Because now you could theoretically not have Seth Rollins in the picture at all. You could do Sheamus versus John Cena, like if if. They did this match on Raw, John Cena and Sheamus, with John Cena getting the win. And then Sheamus ends next Monday's Raw as the world champion cashing his briefcase. And now John Cena can go back to, I just beat you last week, give me the world Uh title shot. They could do that. Yeah, no, that that went into my thought as well, yeah. Yeah, so there's a number of different things you could do if you want to keep Cena in both pictures. But then I wonder if Cena actually does lose the U.S. title, because you can do Cena and Sheamus, and then Seth Rollins has the U.S. championship, and he becomes the U.S. champion who makes, whether it's open challenges, and finds some way to, you know, scathe out of and slither out of every single option. Um, See, and this is where the, this is where they paint themselves into a corner by trying to copy ROH's angle. I, I think Owens should have been the one to leave with the U.S. title and go on to greener pastures if they were going to do this kind of thing with Cena. I just think it would be a fun shift if Seth Rollins goes in as both champions. Like, he he went in as the world champion, then won the U.S. title, and now he's going into the show as both champions and somehow loses the world title but keeps the U.S. Yeah, And then I just like goes that. on business as usual. You know, business well, as usual as the U.S. champion and the world title shifts to John Cena and Sheamus. 
Well, I think he gets mad. I think it's one of those things where, you know, you start getting just because they've had the interview segments between Rollins and Sheamus. So you can always tease that. Keep Rollins kind of on the back burner of the world title picture as in a guy who's, hey, I'm still here. I'm, you know, still a former champ and I'm still this champ and mm-hmm. I can merc my way up. Yeah. Um, and it does, you know, I, I really think that's kind of where they see Rollins as a guy is that kind of upper mid card, lower main event tier. So. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of intriguing options on this show. Like the work in the ring, if you're a big work rate person or want to see like the best in ring technical matches, this screams to not be a show for you. Oh well, yeah. Overall, yeah. But I think I think that Cena Rollins match is going to over deliver. Yeah, I do. And, and the way it plays out on the show, not even storyline wise, but you could have these matches. You have the six man tag. You have Dolph Ziggler and Rusev. Ryback and Kevin Owens. I don't have a lot of faith in. Um, if they do a brawl, you know, all over the place, I think it could be fun. Uh, and then you have that, you know, yeah, Seth Rollins, John Cena, the six man, Dolphin, Rusev. Those will be the top three matches. Uh, where this will go from a subpar pay-per-view in-ring wise to a major, majorly great pay-per-view in-ring wise, the the matches right on the line there are going to be the New Day tag and Nikki Bella Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So if those are in the plus category, the show could be a major home run. If those two don't yeah, deliver, so. then this show is just going to be remembered for you know who walks away as the world champ, especially if it is Sting who does it or Sheamus after cashing in the money in the bank. You you bring up a great point. That Charlotte Nikki match is really the X factor and whether this one is really good or really bad. It is. I mean it's it's one of those matches that's right on the line that, you know, just has to deliver to really cement this pay-per-view. Because Sting doesn't need to be a great work rate match. It just needs to be a good storytelling match. Right. Right. I, I, all this plays in together. And, and and that's why I think it's going to be fun. Like, okay, yeah. if you wanted to see Sting on a major pay-per-view, yes, you had the WrestleMania moment, but really here is going to be one of those times where you might see Sting in a positive light. He could win this match, and you can see Sting win in a WWE ring on a major pay-per-view. And he could then, as champion, make Rob McCarron's Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballot. He very well could. Yeah, it's Hall of Fame season, so like he finally wins the big belt. The biggest win of his career is Seth Rollins at WWE Night of Champions 2015. I think the flair wins are a little bit bigger. Finally but cementing himself as the uh as the world champion. I was trying to go back and see because the match we're about to talk to or talk about is our top one hundred match from two thousand ten. Yes. And I'm going back here to see like when Daniel Bryan's first pay per view match was for WWE. And I think it might have been the show. Um, no, it was no. SummerSlam. SummerSlam when he came back because yes. that was the Nexus uh, Nexus uh, combined team. That's right. It was SummerSlam. Then he wrestled at Night of Champions when he won the U.S. Championship. And then uh, we had Hell in a Cell. Yeah, so there were a few pay-per-views before this one. Correct. Um, yeah, so uh, what we are going to talk about here in just a moment is we're going to take a short, quick break. We're going to talk about Daniel Bryan versus Dolph Ziggler from Bragging Rights 2010 in just a moment, DraftKings, DraftKings. We'll be right back with this week's episode, but first I wanted to take one moment to thank all of you for listening to the show. Shake Them Ropes is a free show. We don't charge a monthly cost for it, nor do we threaten the ending of the show if we don't get enough donations each month. We do it because we love wrestling, and we like engaging with all of you on Twitter and elsewhere. You can subscribe to the show free on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Downcast, 
and any of your favorite podcatchers via our RSS link. The link can be found, as well as everything else, at VoicesOfWrestling.com backslash STR. If you enjoy the show, I encourage you to please help us out by sharing the episodes on your social media feeds, commenting on the posts at VoicesOfWrestling.com, and interacting with us on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. We take your questions, comments, and opinions all the time and love having your voices on the podcast. At Shake Them Ropes on Twitter will get you there. And like I said, we don't charge for the podcast, but if you'd like to financially support the show in some way, you can do so by using our free Amazon affiliate link when shopping on Amazon. There is no extra cost to you, but a portion of your purchases go to help us at Shake Them Ropes. It's a no-hassle way to kick us a few pennies for the shopping you were already planning on doing. The Christmas season is fast approaching. I know most people don't want to think about that, but it is almost coming up. And starting your shopping at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon would be a huge help to the show and a great way to show your support. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon. It'll take you to the Amazon site, and then you shop as normal. Very easy, and I want to thank you for making us a part of your audio lineup. All right, everybody, welcome back to Shake Them Ropes. Rob McCarron here, Jeff Hawkins. We are going to talk about the top 100 matches on WWE Network to see before you die, a list curated by WWE.com. We've been going through for what seems like a whole year now, and I think it actually is that long. We are mm-hmm. on match number 64, Dolph Ziggler versus Daniel Bryan, the U.S. champion versus Intercontinental champion from Bragging Rights 2010. One of the earliest Daniel Bryan WWE pay-per-view matches of his career. Mm-hmm. Bragging Rights an interesting show. Man, <laughs> you and I might be thinking the same thing, but I'll let you say why you say it's interesting. I, it's just an interesting show, and I want to get what you're thinking about it. But, like, I mean, the idea was all these guys who don't like each other on SmackDown and all these guys who don't like each other on Raw come together for the chance to have the best brand. I mean, this is still when they were doing the brand split and it was goofy at the time. It's still goofy looking back on it. And you had the Miz in a leadership role and they were fighting for their brand SmackDown versus raw, a brand by the way, that all these guys had either just, you know, come to or have been on different brands many times throughout their career. So like, what, what does it matter? But it's also memorable for the fact that Alex Riley is on the show. (laughs) I knew you were going to go there. No, I just think Bragging Rights is such a waste of a show because they can never get out of their own way to really build these two shows as different brands and strength and have their own identity and to have their guys have pride in their brand because Raw always had to be the A show. Right. And And it's it's also you're you're trying to get fans to like – you know, if say the Cubs played the Dodgers yeah. in a playoff series, like you have Cubs fans, you have Dodgers fans, people care who wins this one. No one cared if the Raw team won versus the SmackDown team because they wanted to cheer for the guys they liked and there were right. guys they liked on both brands. So exactly. no one cared what the end result was. Yeah, if you had a nice three to six month build for bragging rights where, you know, you're establishing these shows and why guys want to be on certain shows and have pride in their own brand, then it's something. And especially coming, what, three, two months after, after the, the Nexus 
main event yep. at SummerSlam, yep. which was basically the same kind of match for quote unquote control it really was, of it the was, WWE. Yeah, it was the brand of the Nexus versus the brand of WWE. Now yeah. it's the brand of Raw versus the brand of SmackDown. And, and another multi-man main event where uh-huh. it wasn't truly the main event as the main event was Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton and a, a pay-per-view in full because one of the main events is this multi-man match where no yes. one cares about who wins. Right. And, then and then the, yeah. the, the main Go event ahead. title match that had a crap result because really they booked themselves into a position where neither man could win clean. And yet John right. Cena, who was in Nexus at this time. So really go back and watch watch what happened around this show. Like everyone remembers the Daniel Bryan return at SummerSlam and how the Nexus you know starts to starts to change a little bit and Daniel Bryan's a good guy and this little guy, but there was a lot of wackiness going along this time. And it's kind of like some of the pay-per-views now is where all these B pay-per-views are just a holding pattern to get to the real pay-per-views because everything is on WWE network, all you have to do is push the $10 a month, you don't have to push the pay-per-view itself. Well, not only that, the main event was Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton with John Cena in Wade Barrett's corner. And the whole story was about John Cena, who had already been in a match because I believe this is either during his tag team title reign or right after it, where he and David Otunga were a tag team as the Nexus. And you just realize that they had no idea what they had here in 2010 because you had a lot of great stuff on that SmackDown brand. You had edge you had cm punk you had ray mysterio it, 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 it was i mean i'm looking at that smackdown team i'm like wow yeah this this <laughs> was the show where david otunga and john cena won the tag team titles okay that's right from cody rhodes yeah. and drew mcintyre <laughs> another team where you're like huh cody rhodes and drew mcintyre were a team uh the Ma- you know the daniel bryan and dolph ziggler was the opener on this pay-per-view yes the nexus yes, it- versus cody rhodes and mcintyre was second Ted DiBiase Jr. versus Goldust. Yeah. With Maurice and Oksana. Layla versus Natalia. Kane versus The Undertaker. This was the infamous Buried Alive match where the Nexus helped and it never played into anything. Right. And then Team SmackDown versus Team Raw. And then Wade Barrett and Randy Orton. It really was just a wacky pay per view. Yeah. And unfortunately, this Buried Alive match really. <laughs> oh, the way it bled into this opener with Dolph and. And and Daniel Bryan is one of the most <laughs> awkward things because you have these, you have the the emotional violins, and you have Matt Stryker doing his worst try hard. Well, imagine being buried alive and getting eaten by maggots, and and then Vicky Guerrero comes out yelling, "Excuse me!" <laughs> it was possibly the most awkward transition into an opening event I've ever seen. Yeah, Vicky Guerrero was the second. To Dolph Ziggler, she was the manager of Dolph Ziggler, girlfriend, and so forth. And then Daniel Bryan was this fresh-faced new guy in WWE coming out to defend the U.S. title. Uh, he wasn't even defending the title. This was champion versus champion, but no, champion ti- versus champion. no yeah. title was on the line. As Daniel Bryan was representing Raw and Dolph Ziggler was representing SmackDown. Do I have that right? They didn't really make it that clear. But I wasn't paying yes, attention. Yes, he did. No, yes, he did because because Daniel Bryan was was representing Raw because Michael Cole, while he liked the result, that's right, that's did right. not like that Daniel Bryan got the win because this is when all three of our mm-hmm. announcers are at their very, very worst. Yep. Michael Cole is in full on. Daniel Bryan's a nerd, so he doesn't like him. Jerry Lawler's in his, making fat jokes about Vicky Guerrero, and Matt Stryker is 
being sports entertainment Matt Stryker. He's being sports entertainment Matt Stryker while also being, you know, respectful of all the people that Cole and Lawler are putting down. I mean, he was defending Vicky Guerrero, talking about how beautiful she was. I mean, he was trolling, you know, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, basically. And he was was defending Daniel Bryan and all the sacrifices he made and the fact that he was the U.S. champion defeating The Miz. And, uh, but as far as... I wanted to read, and I don't have it up, so I'm going to have to look at this, but okay, pretty basic match. Like, you you didn't know exactly where the careers of Dolph Ziggler and Daniel Bryan were going to go because neither of these two guys was a big name yet by any means, and, and you didn't really see how their trajectory would get them to where they are currently. No, but uh, the internet was begging for this match. They were. They really were. I remember that big time, and they were yeah. begging for it, and not only that, like, it delivered in a way I don't think at the time it delivered to the big hype that it got because it was very right. tough. Like people were going right. to think this was the match of the year. Like Dolph Ziggler, yeah. Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler takes all these crazy bumps. He's been waiting to wrestle someone in a WWE ring of the caliber of a Dolph or of, of a Daniel Bryan. So well, this was, they had this a lot of expectations. Even- this wasn't even crazy bump Dolph Ziggler. This was Dolph Ziggler was getting the respect of of, of the work rate fanboys, but uh-huh. he wasn't taking yep. all the crazy bumps just yet from what I recall. And quite frankly, watching this match, this might be my favorite version of Dolph Ziggler. I loved all the map-based stuff because he still had the amateur cred going at this time where he's doing, you know, these these quick fireman carries mm-hmm. and and you know, leg locks and submissions and stuff. I I absolutely loved Dolph Ziggler in this match. Yeah, he he was good, I, and I liked the match. Okay, it was a he was still was quick, he was still easy... doing he was still doing the the they were still teasing that he was going to be a ripoff of Mister Perfect here. Yes, yes, he was that. But yeah, I mean, it Does... was a, it was a quick, easy 15, 16 minutes. Uh, this is what yeah. WWE dot com when they made this list, they gave a little blurb for every match. This is what mm-hmm. WWE dot com had. Um, do you love wrestling? Really love wrestling? If so, yes. finish reading this list. Grab a tasty beverage. Settle down in a comfy seat and immediately get eyes on the champion versus champion match featuring Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler from Bragging Rights 2010. Prior to hugging teammates or filling arenas with choruses of yes, 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 Bryan was long considered a sound ring technician and submission specialist. Such skill matched with the show-off's amazing moveset electrified the crowd inside the target center with chance of this is awesome raining down, the yes. two carried out several outstanding sequences until Brian, the U.S. champion, finally snapped the label lock onto his opponent, forced the irate IC champion to tap out, and cemented both of their well-earned reputations. So not only did this not really cement their reputations, because Daniel Bryan, this was the fourth pay-per-view match in his WWE run, but... I just don't think it deserves the hype of being on the, this may be the first match where I'm like, why is it on this list? I think it's on this list mostly because at the time the list was made, Daniel Bryan was still a big deal. And this would be his real first breakout singles match in the WWE I, because before I, I this, I don't know if it's that either. I think his well, breakout singles match would have been beaten Miz for the, you know, the U S chi- championship, but as a, but as a ma- but as a match where two competitors are giving equal, equal, uh, offense and whatnot, you know, Miz, that was Brian really, really making Miz look good. More than anything, the yeah, title, the title wins fine, but this was more of a thing. Um, and I think you kind of have the disadvantage of hindsight here because most of the great transitions and, and moves here were all mat based in terms of reversals and whatnot, with the exception of maybe, you know, the top rope high spot where they're doing the belly to back 
flipped into a reversal for the pin attempt, and then Daniel Bryan immediately reverses it again, which is that's where the this is awesome chant got. But you're expecting bump machine Dolph Ziggler and not getting it. And I think that may be tempering your opinion of this somewhat. I, I, I I'm not know. I'm not saying this is a great, great all-time classic yeah. match. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think they could have had much they could have much better matches. I think they actually have had much better matches in their history. But this is still a very solid match. I think this is mostly here for historical purposes. Yeah, it's very solid, but you're right. I mean, if it's gonna be here, it's gonna be here because it is, you know, Dolph Ziggler and Daniel Bryan younger in their careers compared to what they are now and a solid match between the two. Um, it was all right. There's really not much to say about the match itself. I mean, you can no. go watch it. It's breezy. It's 15 minutes. Uh, you can get through it and it's an interesting pay-per-view uh, overall. I mean, interesting, not necessarily great. So this match happens. Daniel Bryan does get the win. He taps Dolph Ziggler out. Vicky Guerrero was going nuts at ringside. Well, She's just going yes. absolutely absurd and berserk. And, after the match is over, Michael Cole is, as you said, talking about how, like, I don't necessarily like who won, but I like that Raw won. And then they go backstage, and it's the Miz and Alex <laughs> Riley. Taking credit. And taking credit for Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and then we got the Team Raw powwow of trying to decide who's the leader of the team. This segment seemed like it went on for six minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if it went longer, honestly. It was a long time. We have some Santino comedy where, honestly, he was the best part of the whole thing. Yeah. CM Punk is in there. Sheamus is in there. Uh, Miz, Alex Riley, someone else that I don't even remember. Uh, but, yeah, no, this... Uh, R-Truth? I don't think it was R-Truth. No, I don't think it was R-Truth. I thought, I thought Punk was on the SmackDown side at this point. Nope, he was on Raw. Okay, my fault. He was on the Raw No, team. but but you barely... There was a false finish here, where, and that's the reason Vicky Guerrero was going insane was because Dolph had wrapped up that's Daniel right. Bryan yep. in the ropes, and he, and Daniel Bryan's leg was on there. Referee counted three, but but foot was on the rope, so this match must continue. The foot then, was on the ropes. Uh, Justin King, who was the referee, current yes. GFW referee, mm. uh, Justin King was the ref. He He counted. He saw the ropes have Daniel Bryan's foot on them. He saw Daniel Bryan with his foot on the ropes at two and a half, but couldn't stop his arm in time. Right. Wasn't strong enough. So he, he ends up hitting the mat for three, even though he immediately right away, like it's not one of those where he counted three, yeah. went to raise the arm and then realized the leg was there. He counted one, two was going down for the three. He saw the foot, but didn't stop himself. And Vicky's going crazy. Dolph Ziggler thinks he won. And then immediately after that is when you get the label lock tapped on. And yeah, uh, Dolph Ziggler taps out. Yeah, after Dolph slaps him in the head a couple of times and says, you're not as good as me, you're not as good as me, Daniel Bryan grabs the arm, LaBelle Lock. Uh, I miss heel Ziggler. <laughs> well, you might be getting I, it soon. I hate face Dolph Ziggler. He's, well, playboy Dolph Ziggler is, isn't very good. Yeah. But cocky, you know, when he was with Big E and AJ, loved that incarnation of Dolph Ziggler loved this incarnation of Dolph Ziggler where he was a little bit more serious I I, I liked it but uh but no I, I, I it's an enjoyable match it's not gonna it's not gonna be you know a five-star classic for those of you who do star ratings but you know no. it's in that four range yeah Dave Meltzer gave it three and a half okay so that was the Dave Meltzer recommendation for that match I mean it's worth a watch but I wouldn't put it on the top 100 matches on WWE Network even for historical significance because wow. I mean, it has some, but I, I, this is the first match I think where I'm like, this yeah. probably shouldn't be on there. 
Yeah, I had one a while back. I can't remember which one it was, but but this is yours. Okay, yeah, congratulations. Is, you've 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 crossed that threshold. I finally crossed the threshold where this match was not worthy of top 100. Uh okay. next next week we're going to talk about uh, match number 63 in the list. It is mm-hmm. Sting and Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack from Beach Blast 1992. It will be the second match we've discussed from Beach Blast 1992. Yes. We talked about uh, Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat. I believe mm-hmm. their Iron Man match from uh, Beach Blast 1992. We talked about that one already. Uh, so Hi. we will talk Sting and Cactus Jack next week. We will be back Sunday night to go over the results of this uh, pay-per-view, Night of Champions. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forgot, Did... about, forgot about we're doing a post show. <laughs> Yep, it's it's that time again. <laughs> it is that time. I was like, oh, Sunday, I'll get to watch football, you know, and then I'll watch Night of Champions before the show on Tuesday, and we get to, oh, no, oh, no, you have homework, Jeff. You need to you need to watch live. <laughs> Speaking of football, DraftKings.com. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.